This is Saturday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Talking Bruins hockey and the NHL with nine-year league veteran Ryan Whitney. Whitney has tied it, sneaks in from the point. With the most interesting man at the stool, Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. And hosted by Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan crew. Saturday Skate is brought to you by AT&T and Star Market. Need this win, you know, we got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. them up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Yes, indeed. Rare opportunity on Saturday skate. We get to not talk hockey for a little bit. Most of our listening audience, our hockey fan listening audience, is going to be tuned in for the third period on Nesson. Bruins on top of the Buffalo Sabres, one to nothing. We'll keep you posted as action goes on. Big news from an injury standpoint in that one right now is Matt Bolesky has left the game and he has not returned. In fact, he's been declared out for the rest of it. But uh, so far, good first period and a mucky second period, and the Bees have a one nothing lead. Heading to period number three. We'll be joined a little bit later on in the show by Lyndon Byers, WAEF, our brother station and former Bruin. He'll be uh, bringing the B's reaction on our basically our de facto postgame show here today. Rear Admiral is with me from Barstool Sports. What's going on, Rear? I'm not just doing my little Brady Bunch at the amusement park impression to get here in time, but uh, I, made think, it. I think the blueprints are, uh, blueprints are at the front desk, so we're good to go. You looked about as smooth as Kevin Miller with uh, Jack Eichel going around him there as you came into the building yeah. dodging chairs. And- yeah, not, not, not too good getting in here, but it was my first, uh, actually, first de- official uh, delay via Pike. You know, you leave the same time every time, and, you know, it wasn't coming to Brighton. It was all the toll traffic going the other way, but... No worries. No hey, worries. We're well, here. A lot of news to get to today. Yeah, a lot uh, of stuff going on. We'll talk some NHL here. I know uh, we have some uh, hockey fans, I'm sure, uh, tuning in and getting used to us here on from 3 to 5. But up against the Bruins, wanted to get some other thoughts in in the Boston sports world. Uh, if you're just uh, joining, uh, Carlos Beltran is signed with the Houston Astros for a one-year deal, $16 million. And as the winter meetings get uh, set to heat up this week, there are actually quite a bit of news on the trade front. And I uh, want to just read to you, the latest from Ken Rosenthal in regards to a possible Chris Sale trade. Red Sox open on Chris Sale only at a lesser asking price. White Sox remain, though, in talks with the Nationals on a uh, trade for their ace left-handed pitcher. Red Sox decide not to go for the $16 million price tag for Beltron, who's 39 years old, Admiral, on a one-year deal. Of course, David Ortiz is retired, and that's a lot of production uh, to replace. So, it's just to start here, I want to get into some Gronk thoughts as well, but just quick reaction. Are, are you ticked off at the Red Sox for not going after Beltron, and do they have to make a big splash here this offseason, either to replace David Ortiz, who's, who's no longer there, or to go after and get a legitimate ace, some would say a bona fide ace in Chris Sale? I think if you're going to be, pardon me, I think you're going to be pissed off at them, it'd be for the when they let Beltran go the first time. I mean, that's probably when they should have kept them. Yeah. I think that's probably the, the time you would have been mad at him. This time, I, I don't know, he was on a different team. Free agent, you know, he was just in Texas. Obviously, he likes it, must like the Texas area because he's staying in Houston. I'm not really, you know, going to give the Sox much guff for that. Uh, I They probably are planning to do something. I mean, in, uh, bringing a guy like Salem would be something the Red Sox would do. I mean, it would add a key, I mean, key pitcher to their rotation. I mean, he might, he might be the, the new number one very easily. Oh, he would instantly be the Inst- number one. I mean, ba- you know, kind of knock uh, Cy Young winner down and, you know, price is price right now. Uh, it would be huge. So yeah, maybe you know they they have that money earmarked for something else. As far as new DH, um, you know it's it's still what December here, first week of December. 
Hutstove is just kind of warming up. There's, there's plenty of time for them to find something out there. Well, what uh, happened this week when the CBA numbers came out? They agreed to the CBA, and the luxury tax threshold was set. Basically, the Red Sox are still going to be – they're still over right now. So any dollar they spend over the luxury tax, they got to spend – I think it's a 40% tax for every dollar they spend to Major League Baseball. So you're looking at the Red Sox owners right now saying, hey, we're, we're getting out of this mess. We're, we're, we're tired of paying the bonuses. And I can understand that, but you're close. You know, you got to the playoffs last year, so you can't afford $16 million for Beltran. They're obviously going to be out of Edwin Encarnacion talks. And now I think you've got a fan base that's going to be looking around saying, are you really committed to taking the next step and getting us deep in the playoffs? Let's make something happen. Otherwise, you're just going, Rob Bradford tweeted, plan B is putting uh, Sandoval at DH. Well, That's, I mean, <laughs> that is not going to be received very well. He's not in the field, but yeah, God, people won't like that at all. But I mean, honestly, they're not they're not far away. I mean, you know, they won the division last year, and frankly, they ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, Cleveland should have won that World Series. They they went yeah, through everybody it. like a hot, the proverbial hot knife through butter. I mean, they were f- phenomenal last year, and I mean, yeah, it's just disappointing. The Sox pitching was terrible, and it wasn't what we needed it to be as fans, but. As far as Cle, I mean, it's one of those. I, for me, I could chalk it up like, man, Cleveland was just. I mean, a lot of people who've watched baseball said it to me ahead of time. Like, watch out for this Cleveland team. They've been they've been on a tear. They've been playing crazy for the last like few weeks here, and and they were right. And and again, I mean, they they should have won that. Where I mean, they blew a three one lead. They blew a, a, another lead, a game lead within one of those games. And I mean, they definitely blew the series. But uh, yeah, it's it's not that that far away. I mean, you, you just need Price to show up for a playoff game first off. He needs to start winning a playoff game. That's a That's huge a big if. if. Yeah. It's a very big if. Um, you know, he didn't. It wasn't like he, he gave you great innings with, uh, you know, great stats. We're like, okay, well, he he went seven seven and a third and gave up three hits and one unearned. It, well, he he didn't give us stat lines like that. So it's not very encouraging going into next year. Uh, but I don't think there's really a lot of work that needs to be done. I mean, you know, they they did win the division. Perhaps people didn't expect them to. So, you know, a lot of the young talent really emerged this year. I mean, they're an exciting team to watch. Like, I know it sucks losing Pappy, and, and he's such a huge part of the team, but there's so much more, so much excitement on that team right now with, you know, the, all the young outfielders they have. It's, it's, uh, I think there you know, is, but if Price has another rocky season, and, and no matter what kind of regular season he has, people are just going to not believe in him until the postseason. And you're trotting Sandoval out as your DH instead of Ortiz, 160 games next year. I, that's those are going to be those are going to be the easy targets if oh, they struggle. Absolutely, I mean, but there's you know there's always going to be an easy target in this town. It's just it's just a matter of who it's going to be. And you know, Sandoval is already an easy target. Price is already an easy target. So if it's them, so be it. You know, hopefully they'll be the only two because that means no one else is really screwing up. Well, Beltron's thirty nine. I mean, I, I can't get all that worked up about them not signing Beltron for. For, you know, sixteen million is not that much for a one-year deal. No, but <laughs> that's funny that sixteen million. Yeah. I remember Nolan Ryan was the first million-dollar yeah. player, and that was like big news. And now it's like hilarious how much the money's got. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, but I'm yeah. saying. I mean, he hit uh, three hundred four last year with Texas after he was traded by the Yankees. He hit two eighty seven home runs down the stretch on the year, though he hit twenty nine homers. Uh, but you're looking at replacing Ortiz, who had just a, an unbelievable year: forty eight doubles, one hundred twenty seven RBI, three fifteen. Obviously, the best DH in the game. And now you're telling me they're going to put Pablo Sandoval out there because you're not willing to pay the $16 million for Beltran plus the luxury tax on top of it. But if you go out and trade for Chris Sale, now I'm back in as a Red Sox fan. Now now I'm back to believing Dombrowski and ownership is is going for it. Yeah, but I mean, again, I don't think anyone's really not in on, on a team that won the division last year. I mean, as bad as the playoffs were, as, as much of a disappointment as they were, 
I think you got to step back and say, okay, you know, no one really. I don't think anyone expected them to even win the win the division last year. I, don't, I didn't. I don't. I mean, I'm not the biggest baseball guy in this town, but I, a lot of no, people. Toronto would have been the favorite. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, you know, they, they weren't the team expected to win the division. They did it, and you know, they obviously laid a big egg in the playoffs against a, a red hot team that kind of embarrassed their everybody. Well, it's everybody except for the Cubs for the last three games of the playoffs, but. You know, I'm not. I'm not too down on him right now. And you know, if, if, if March rolls around and it's still Sandoval and they haven't got another pitcher, then yeah, you know, we we can get on him. But I I just hate jumping on a team on a team. You know, before Christmas is even here. Yeah. Uh, the proposed trade from Jim Bowden to ESPN to get Chris Sale a couple of days ago was Yon Moncada, Michael Kopech, two of their top prospects, Eduardo Rodriguez and uh, Blake Swihart. For Chris Sale and Jose Abreu coming back, their talented first baseman, I would do that deal in a second if the White Sox, or if that was a legitimate offer. You never know if that's a, a is, real legit offer. Isn't Moncada supposedly untouchable? Yeah, I mean, they spent $60 bucks after paying $30 million on top of the whatever whatever the bonus he signed, so they spent a lot of money on him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that they've come out and said he's untouchable, but that pretty much speaks to untouchable. Yeah, They don't yeah. want to let him go. He yeah. got they got a glimpse of him this year, and he wasn't ready for the big leagues. He's and again, don't no one thought Jeff Bagwell was ever going to get traded either. Right, you never know. Yeah. Uh, I think Dombrowski though has shown that he's. I mean, he's thinking short term. This guy wants to go out and win a pennant, so I think he's willing to do a lot of things. It sounds like though they're not in the lead for the uh, for the Chris Sale talks. Uh, if you believe some of the news today, anyway. So that's just uh, some of the breaking baseball news. Keep you posted. Beltron definitely the Red Sox per reports top priority for the DH. They miss out on him. He goes to Houston. Uh. Saturday Skate, if you're just hopping in here on WEI, Ken Laird, the Rear Admiral. We're brought to you by AT&T, mobilizing your world and star market. See what makes us shine. Bruins still up on the Sabres, one nothing, with about 15 minutes to go. We'll be getting into some beast talk, and uh, we got tickets to give away for tomorrow night's, uh, or for the uh, Monday game, a little bit later this hour. Lyndon Byers will join us as well. Patriots in action tomorrow, Rear, against the Rams, and it's been an interesting week in Rob Gronkowski news. Yeah. As always, you are a, a social media guy. You're all over a L- little bit. Twitter for sure. Facebook. You do the Facebook and the no, Instagram stuff. Not, no, 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 no. I'm Twitter only. I I have absolutely zero use for Facebook. Um, zero use for Facebook and Instagram. I'm not much of a show my life in pictures to the to the uh, world person. That's you know maybe 20 years. If I was 20 years younger now, I I really don't feel the need to. Twitter's great for aggregating news, getting news, all that stuff. But I'm I'm a Twitter guy. I think if you're on Twitter, you get everything you need. All right, well, Gronk is certainly on there. Yeah, no doubt. He was on Instagram last night with a big picture that uh, quickly spread around, definitely New England in the news. Himself with a walker, you know, a cane, getting up after surgery and posting uh, any kind of injury information, which you got to think ticks off Belichick, right? I mean, what? So him walking down the hallway in a walker after surgery, is that that's giving medical information? That's that's... Maybe it doesn't matter because he's pretty much out for the year. You don't have to hide information week to week. But, but how is showing that video giving medical information? It's, they give no information about anything. But it, isn't that a departure from But how is that? Every, but how is the video giving information? Him walking down the hallway after surgery is giving information? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I mean, I guess it's how you a, perceive a, it. A bigger deal, a bigger thing that I think would have pissed off Belichick are these joint statements, which he has to respond to like he did yesterday when he stood up at the podium and he's peppered with all these questions about, you know, What's going on with Gronk? And he said the statement speaks for itself. I don't know. It's just odd. Don't you find it differing from every other player that's been injured under the Belichick system 
going back to the early 2000s. How many joint statements do you see from play? You just don't see players going rogue with their family members and releasing injury information. Well, the the joint statements become kind of a, a, a thing, a normal thing for Gronk because of all the BS that happened prior to with his family. You know, like the I, I there has been a handful of injuries. I forget exactly which one it was, but. You know, one of the times he was hurt in the family, you know, and if I'm a player, I look out for number one, too. I mean, the NFL is, you know, they're, they're soulless. You know, they're going to grind you up and they're going to spit you out. And whether it's two years, two games, 20 years, it doesn't matter. So when you're that talented and that good a player, you, you look out for yourself. And I've, I have no problem with any player in any sport doing that like Gronk's done. So in the past, there was, you know, contradictory information. The, the Gronks were saying one thing, the team was saying another. I'm going to probably believe the Gronks over the over, over any sports sure. team, not just the Patriots. So I think what they do is they do this joint statement now to say, okay, we're both on the same page. Here's what we're saying. Leave us alone. That's all you're getting. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to have two different camps, and it's, it becomes this big kerfluffle. I mean, it's the Patriots. It's Gronk. It's all. It's a kerfluffle anyways. I get to say kerfluffle today. But it's it's going to always be a thing. But, but so, they don't the, like kerfluffles. They don't like distractions. Right. That's why they do a joint statement, just so then the Gronks aren't saying their thing. And uh, the team's not saying one thing. It's 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 kind of a unique situation, but it's unique to Gronk because of the history. Okay, but when Julian Edelman gets hurt, mm-hmm. or when other you know player X gets hurt, are they allowed to now release joint statements with? Well, their, if with there's their... a history of their family kind of withholding them, a player from thing, and you know that type of situation that Gronk has had, then it, it wouldn't be unusual. But I mean, I guess it's a, it's an unusual case. You know, Gronk is a once-in-a-generation talent, and the team sounds like they wanted him back before he was either A, willing, or B, ready to come back at a prior time, and they tried to force him into it, and he he looked out for his number one self, and, you know, the team wants you out there. They're going to want you out there. But, I, you know, so I, I think there probably was some headbutton back then, and, and to avoid it this time, the joint statement in the Patriots' eyes, in the Gronk's eyes, all right, here's your joint statement. Belichick comes up, does his thing the next day, and then we move on. All right, well, here's the thing for me. Without Gronkowski, that's obviously a big blow. Is it? I'm not, Huge. You know, I mean, everybody understands what Gronk means to this team. Even even when injury came back last year and almost willed them to a Super Bowl, it was, it was almost a, 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 a really a one for the legends, right? The, the finish against Denver, he and Brady. Okay, without him, they've got Malcolm Mitchell coming along. They've got Deion Lewis coming along. So you've got some offensive pieces where you think they, they might be a little bit better off this year to, to replace them than they were last year. I'm less worried about replacing Gronk on the field in the short term than I am about the defense and guys in the locker room with the series of events. This Gronk thing in the joint statement is maybe the lesser of the three things. But there have been some... If you're a player on the team, let's say you're... Um, well, heck, we know LeGarrette Blunt when they traded Jamie Collins, put out some kind of tweet, SMH, shaking my head with, with a couple of strange emojis. Then when Jamie Collins tweeted out that that thing in Cleveland, um, what was the exact statement? Something something along the lines of, "I'm not sure I caught that." Blessed one. to be where I am now. You know, not not where I'm. He basically took a shot at the Patriots. Yeah, but dude, he's in freaking Cleveland. I mean, come on, he's in the Cleveland Browns, like dissing New England. That that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> oh, I know, but that's the point. Like, okay, so you got a guy. Who's, that who's just tells you he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it the right way in New England. I mean, if you're you're luck, blessed to be in the Cleveland damn Browns. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on. Well, well, I know, but you had a couple of Patriots players who liked it or whatever. Okay, he I'm was playing along. <laughs> the fact that he was traded in the first place. If you're a player in that defense, you got to be saying, "What are we doing here?" Okay, maybe he went rogue a couple plays. Maybe he wasn't playing at peak performance. But you're starting to scratch your head a little bit there. I think thinking. 
If you're Donta Hightower, what are we doing? We're, we're... I say I got to get my ass in gear. Wow, they just traded Jamie Collins for nothing. Oh man, I bet I better I better make sure I got my ass in gear. Here. So you like the Collins trade? I didn't like. I didn't necessarily like it. I'm just kind of as a fan of the Pats. I'm just kind of conditioned to like trust them, Bill. I don't care if you call it blindness or whatever. But I mean, the guy's record speaks for itself. So you know, how many times has he made this move where? whether it's been Seymour or Malloy. Or, I mean, there's been tons of them over the years. And you, what is he doing? But it's at the point where everything kind of just seems to work out in the end always. So you're just like, well, okay. You know, if if he if he traded Jamie Collins for essentially nothing, basically cut him, then there's probably a pretty valid reason that Bill Belichick did that. He's the greatest coach in the history of the game, bar none. That's not even a fan talk, and that's just the facts, really. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, there must have been a really valid reason for him to not be on that roster anymore. Even if you're tight with Jamie Collins, even if he's your boy. Well, whatever, dude. That's it. The business, man. Any, I mean, any major league sport, your guy gets traded the next day, and that's 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 the business they're in. Anyone can go any day. So if I'm on that defense and I'm boys with Jamie Collins, and maybe I know things he's doing or not doing, or is talking in the locker room, he shouldn't be saying stuff he shouldn't say. And he's gone. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to get my ass in gear. And like I said, I mean, it's not that I can't question Belichick. I just think that the, the guy's done it enough where, you know, the results speak for themselves. And you know, like maybe, maybe it could be an awful move. Maybe they knocked out in the first round of the playoffs because the defense was awful because they were missing a guy like Jamie Collins. But like I said, uh, given the history of Belichick and these type of moves, you know, I'm gonna defer to him all the time. Here, here was this the Jamie Collins post. I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I am not where I used to be. Under the picture, hashtag better days with a raised fist emoji. Some of the, some of the players that liked the tweet were LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, I believe, um, who was the uh, safety? Chung, I think. And Brandon LaFell's former yeah. Patriots. So you had a couple guys, maybe just supporting uh, their guy. You know what? I have probably 5,000 likes on my Twitter. This really, you know I mean? It, you're hitting a button. It's not like... You know what I mean? It's not a big commitment to like a tweet or an Instagram picture or something. I I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. I mean, I like a lot of stuff on there that, I mean, it, it doesn't mean you necessarily like it or, or it's your favorite thing. It's just it's just an apparatus to bookmark something for later a lot of times. So, I, I, you know, if they like it, yeah, maybe maybe they support them in, 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 in social media, but they're not going to say anything in the locker room. All right, well, here's my point. Two nothing Bruins, by the way. Yeah, Bergeron. no, I see this. Okay. Well, Bergeron scores with 12-16 to go. Two nothing Bruins. They try to grind it out. Saturday skate, Rear Admiral and Ken Larry. Pretty by the much way. every game. They try to grind it out. Yeah, they set two goals a game. This is about their pace. But here's my point on Gronk. It's been a weird year. You had the Jamie Collins trade. You, there had to be a little bit of luck. That stirs up the room when you trade a guy. That definitely Absolutely. sends a message. Absolutely. As you say, even if it's a positive message, we better get our ass in gear. It's it's some, It stands out. This week, you got Gronk, of course, out for the year. You miss him on the field. You've got the joint statement. You've got him on social media giving updates on his health. You had the Donald Trump stuff early in the Walking year. Walking down a hallway. <laughs> Walking down a hallway. You had the Trump stuff, which I don't know how many of the guys if it, really in that room would be upset by that. I can't imagine it's a big Donald Trump group. I, I, but I maybe maybe they you know, got a rich, lot of rich athletes. Maybe some of them would have voted for Trump. Maybe it's a split. I think that's overblown. I think every locker room, there's so many diff- political differences that pre-exist. Maybe it got accentuated a lot more this year because of the election, but... Well, the fact that you had Brady and Belichick supporting Trump, sort of, openly but we don't, late. We don't know that Belichick voted for him. I mean, he voted. We don't know that he voted for him. I mean, we just we know he wrote him a letter. Right, of right. Okay, and like, let's analyze that. Okay, 
you know, how, whatever you're feeling, I'm not getting political here, but whatever your feelings about Donald Trump, whatever, Donald, thing, um, what's his name? Belichick's known him for, I, I believe, about 35, 40 years. He has a history with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can quibble with Trump or however you want, but, you know, we, I'm sure we all have friends we've been friends with for 30, 40 years that are flawed, and you may not want to be out with them in public all the time or whatever. But if they're doing something or they're in, in trying to achieve something historical and magnificent for them, you know, you write him a letter of support. I don't think that mean that necessarily means you're aligned with them politically or you view him. He's a friend that you've been someone you're friends with for a long time. You write him, you wrote him a letter of support. I don't think Belichick necessarily expected it to get read aloud at, at a at a rally, um, but it happened. Well, he might not have. That might be another he, exactly. He pro- I would say bizarre part of it. I would say he probably didn't know in Belichick. He probably just wrote the letter just because he. I understand he writes several. A hundred, if not uh, in the dozens, hundreds of letters a month to m- many different people in different fields. Yeah, I think he wrote him some kind of a message and said, "Donald, ask him if he could rewrite it." And he said, "Go yeah, ahead." I and don't, do it. I don't even buy that. So I think, I think Belichick wrote him a letter as a friend. Hey, good luck with this. You know, he's running for president. That doesn't mean you know he, he's necessarily supporting him politically. I mean, uh, maybe I'm splitting his lid, but it, that's not the message I got. And the Brady with the hat, I mean. You know, the, the hat in the locker, that was kind of, you know, when the, the hat, I think, came out before the, the real campaign rhetoric. So, you know, the hat was probably the first of the campaign rhetoric, and that was kind of like almost a, a jokey thing because, you know, Bostel was selling them and stuff. I bet he regrets it now. Yeah, I'm sure he does because, you know, of what it caused later. But, you know, as far as, like, people calling, oh, they they need to speak for their, you know, what it's, no, they don't. I mean, they, they don't have to, no one has to justify who they vote for, especially an athlete. I mean, in whoever, whether whether you vote D or R or I or Green Party, whatever, like to say, oh, they got to answer for themselves. Like, shut up. No, just because you don't agree with, with the guy. And I'm not singing the apprentices' tra- praises either, but like, just the, the, they're athletes. They play a sport and they don't, they're not obligated to, to, to disown or whatever political parties. Just like, shut up and let, you know, let they have their private lives. No one comes to your door and, and tells you who to vote for. Okay, but my overall point is here, I agree with you. In each and every, every one of these instances, the Trump stuff, the Collins trade, the Collins post, the, the Gronk whatever joint statement, none of it in and of itself is really going to affect players on the field. It shouldn't affect the defense. Yeah. But the D's been getting hammered for their play anyway. And if things start getting worse, which they might when they start playing better teams, I guarantee you these things are going to be brought up after the year's over as reasons why the Patriots lost, assuming they do. I think they got a legitimate chance as anybody. This is a down year in the NFL to win. But collectively, you're not worried about these things creating locker room dissent, which somehow pops up in their play or is at least blamed for when it's all said and done. Nah, It's man. just been a weird year. You've got to admit. I, you know, it's definitely a weird year, but I'm, I, I just kind of take a very pragmatic approach to the, to the NFL in that Every game is a game where anything can happen. Like, you know, you can go into the first week of the playoffs and lose to a team completely unrelated to all the reasons we're talking about. They just match up bad against the team. Uh, The team gets out coached. Any number of factors. I just think it boils down to that one 60-minute game at a time. And all the other BS and factors, just completely irrelevant when you're between the lines. Just irrelevant. They They don't even... What, they're like robots. They're not affected yes. by anything. Yeah, pretty much when they're on the field. Yeah, I mean, these guys. They're play... not looking at Belichick saying, screw this guy. He no. traded Collins these and guys... he's yelling at me for being out of position. Why don't you go let me release a joint statement, These Bill? guys have been playing football. How about to stop the double standard, Bill? They're you know? playing the football their whole lives. They are robots. They're, 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 they're programmed to go out there and brutalize their minds and bodies for our entertainment. And when they're out there, it's for the 60 minutes a day. I mean, I know it's a stretch out for four hours on TV. 
But for 60 minutes, man, that's all that matters, man. It doesn't matter the Trump hats or Gronk and Instagram or whatever. It's just that that game. So, so you no. think no team has ever bothered or has locker rooms that are divided or they're a mess yes, or they're not on the same page? but they're not coached by Belichick. I think So it can I, never happen under Belichick. I, I think the the possibility of it is there, but it's so much smaller compared to every other team. I think he's just the master at what he does that. That stuff, guys are probably, of course, they don't like it, but they don't say nothing about it in the room. I think he's able to just keep everything distinctly different. I would have agreed with you until the Jones trade, the Collins trade, endorsing Donald Trump, Gronk's joint statements. And, 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 who, wait, who endorsed? Who endorsed Trump? Belichick <laughs> did with that letter. Did you I, read that did, letter? I did. He said, "Good luck, good luck. I wish you luck in your thing." Now, he didn't. It was. Oh, it, that was an endorsement, Admiral. Come no, on. It, I, it was a personal letter, wishing him good luck on a on a on a personal on a very a public personal venture. It was a. I mean, it, I, I don't see that as an endorsement at all. Not at all. I mean, he never. It's a it's a letter to a friend. The guy he's been friends with for a long time. I mean, he's been friends with Donald Trump. You might for view it that way. I, I bet you there's a player or two who's scratching their head, thinking, "Why are we taking political stances as a franchise? Well, We're supposed to." Or maybe they maybe they realized it wasn't a political stance at all, and it was a, and it was a personal correspondence between guys who've known each other for forty years. No, I mean, uh, uh, when you when you're endorsing a, a candidate, people know you put your name on it, you say it, you 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 make it known. That's endorsing a candidate. He didn't endorse him. He wrote him a letter that the guy read out to people. I all I right. don't see it as an endorsement. If I, I mean, I think I think Brady's hat in the locker room. That's subtle. That's a, a subtle endorsement. That's way more of an endorsement of them. No, again, no, I don't well, care, thing. and I don't same care thing. what they do. I don't think it's. A, I think it's different. I think that's he's. They he, Brady's admitted he's been buddies with him. For pri- years. Again, private. Well, again, and, and you know, I think when you when you have that hat was basically a, a, my a campaign letter. It was campaign material. So when you have can't, it's, it's no different than hanging a sign in your locker. That's why. Whereas again, personal. Well, Belichick promise, gave him the letter to personal read on the call, campaign I, tour. I, that's what Trump said, dude. You. You think Belichick wrote so you a letter? Trump went oh, wrong. let me give you a copy that you can read in public. Get yes. the Christ out of here! You gonna you believe? No way, dude. He Come had on. to have. Okay, so you believe that, that you believe a wall a wall's coming? So, so you, you believe we're gonna have a, a lit? Do you believe everything Donald might, Trump said during the campaign? Fencing. There might be some fencing. Did, oh, so you didn't you didn't hear what he what he already said today? No, there's gonna so be you, no wall. So you think Trump lied? And his kid said there's gonna be no res- Muslim registry. So that's two other campaign lies. So why wouldn't he lie about Belichick sending him a letter? Well, if I'm Belichick then and he did lie, I would have come out and said that. I, because, I, well, well, then, but then it looks like he he then he's wading into the mess. He's that's why Belichick plays the media perfect. He just lets it go. He lets everyone talk about it, and it disappears. He's not going to come out and say, "Oh, I, I wrote this." He just I wrote him a letter. He's a friend. That's it. Like he, you know, it's been a weird year. That's it, my it, overriding it's, point. It's been weird, but it, but it, ultimately, it's between the lines. All right, couple calls real quick here. Not talking hockey on Saturday. Skating <laughs> up against fun. Bruins and Sabers. Uh, by the way, Evander Kane scored. Boo. Two one Bruins with about uh, ten minutes, uh, just under ten minutes to go. Uh, Brendan in Boston, we get in real quick here on uh, Saturday Skate. What's going on, Brendan? Hey, how you doing, brother? Yeah, look, I just don't think you should look too much into that Collins post on the Instagram because, you know, people have different reason, reasons for liking stuff. You know, Blount's a big Patriots guy, Pats Nation, posting everything about the Patriots every weekend. So it's kind of contradictory for him to like that. So maybe he's liking it from the perspective of, oh, you're happy where you are now, man? Well, that, like, you know what I mean? Kind of like this, and I'm like, oh, that's your opinion now. You know what I mean? So not everybody likes an Instagram post just to openly support what the guy is saying. It could mean a different thing. People like stuff for subliminal reasons, like you're trying to suggest, like they have a problem against Belichick. So you just can't go off what somebody says and likes and stuff like that. It's just, I don't buy into that stuff, and I don't buy into the uh, divide of locker room. But, uh, well, I, well, my call, well, hang on, Brendan. I, I would agree with you on that 100%. Yeah, that's possible. Don't you think the trade in and of itself, though, could have 
sent some shockwaves oh, in that room. Oh, and, oh, of course. And I do think in the past there may have been circumstances where guys have been upset. But you also understand this is, this is the greatest coach of all time. So from the same perspective of he's the greatest coach in X's and O's, can't you say that he knows how to handle locker rooms too? You know what I mean? So I, I'm not – it's not something I can, I'm too – I'm terribly concerned about. But the thing I'd be more concerned about is a guy like Brady or Gronk or one of the leaders in the team having a problem because Collins wasn't a leader on that team anyway. You're, you're right it up. He was maybe a leader on the team as, as far as athletically, but he wasn't like a vocal leader on the team. He never was. Guys have come out and said that he wasn't like a big football guy in general. He comes to practice and he has bags over his hands because he's getting a, uh, like a manicure or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was it, bizarre. You know, it's, it's just I don't think that it's nothing anybody's too tore up about, especially when you talk about Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know. Thanks for taking my call, brother. All right, Brendan in uh, Boston weighing in. He's more on your side. No big deal. Thanks for the call, Brendan. <laughs> get him to call in. Yeah. Oh, let's get uh, Doug and Belmont in real quick. He's another Admiral fan. What's going on, Doug? A real, real Admiral? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Just like the Navy. You're a moron. You, you're right. a moron. <laughs> Thanks. You sound, like, you, you sound like a buffoon on, on the radio right now. Okay, Doug. You don't need that. No, I, I honestly wanted to hear what he had to say. I don't need that dissent. I, I honestly, I, I honestly wonder if that's the Doug who blocked me on Twitter. I have to, <laughs> I have to wonder that now. I, I don't know if he listens to this station. That guy who actually—it's funny. I'm not going to say his handle, but it was early on on Twitter, and the guy literally every single tweet, every single tweet, he would reply to me, whether it was about a movie or sports or traffic downtown. And I would very politely, I said, "Pal, I appreciate you follow me, but it's not necessary to, to reply to every single thing I tweet." And I got back like a tweet storm of hate, and I'm blocking you and blah, blah, blah. And this guy, like, he's over the years, has, has stalked me. It's like, you know, telling people, like, oh, all stuff about me. I don't know if that's the same Doug, but oh, I was curious to see what he thought I was a moron about. I mean, still going to sleep well tonight either way. Rear Admirals here from Barstool Sports. I'm Ken Laird. We keep Saturday skate going on. We'll get some hockey talk in as soon as the Bruins game ends. Right now, 7.36 to go. Boston hanging on to a one-goal lead, 2-1 over the Sabres. If you have any thoughts on the Gronk situation, Patriots locker room, do you believe there could be some divide in there after several incidents? And how about the Red Sox losing out on Carlos Beltran? You give us a call 617-779-7937. Text at 37937 here on Sports Radio WEI. You're listening to Saturday Skate with Ryan Whitney, Rear Admiral, and Ken Laird on Sports Radio WEI. Saturday Skate with the Bruins and the Sabres heading down the stretch. 2.57 to go. Bruins up on top of Buffalo uh, 2-1. Ken Laird and the Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. We uh, got in touch with Ryan Whitney. His name is on the show. He will be a part of the show going forward. He is 0 for 4, however. He's uh, out of town this week again on a wedding. This guy's more I guess he's friends got a, and I, engagements. I guess his, uh, his girlfriend's in her, in her 20s, so that explains that. You know, I mean, you're in that, well, Ryan's still only 33, but you got that phase, that, like, usually after college where I think it's like every other weekend you're putting a suit on to go to a wedding. I mean, they're fun, but they, it, what, can, what sucks, though, is they can get a little redundant when you when you go to, and it sucks because just you know there's supposed to be special occasions and one of a, once in a lifetime events and but when you go to like seventeen and seventeen of them in the December, year December you're still going and it's yeah and it's and it's like all right man they they do get monotonous and you, you know you try to bring a little individuality to each of them but um it, yeah they they come with a flurry especially if you you or your wife have to be in them that's so when I got married man first thing we were like no bridal party like like especially if you're a girl it's the worst man you know you got to make your one of your best friends go out and spend like a thousand dollars on clothes they're gonna wear once and make it's like they, and then plus they got to throw out for the bachelor party the shower it's like. You know what? Like, pick a pick a maid of honor. I'll pick a best man or a best two best men in my case, and that's it. It's like, uh, you know, plus you're, you're a minimalist. I like you. Yeah, fucking absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, we got a giveaway coming up top of the hour. We got uh, Bruins tickets to give away as the uh, bees are going to be taking on 
uh, on Monday, uh, Florida Panthers and uh, Lyndon Byers is going to join us at that time as well to talk some B's post game from WAAF former Bruin. So we'll be talking a ton of hockey in the four o'clock hour. You and Ryan Whitney on your uh, Stool Chicklets uh, podcast got into a little bit of the NHL news. The big news of the week, I would say, still is the firing of Florida. Uh, head coach Gerard Gallant, the first axe to fall in the NHL among coaches this year. I don't think Claude Julian, well, he's always on the hot seat because he's been, um, he is the longest tenured coach still going, right? He's he is. Got a, if he's not one, he's two. No, he's number, he's one. number one, yeah, since Babcock left Detroit. That's true. Okay, so, I mean, I would think every year going in, there's a little bit of pressure on Julian, and they brought up Cassidy from Providence to be sort of his uh, watchdog. Waiting in the wings. Yeah, a little potential. bit waiting in the wings. But how surprised were you the Panthers decided to axe their coach and I know Ryan has some um, former experience with Tom Rowe, the guy that is their GM and now took over behind the bench. Does he think that this was a good move for the Panthers or no? Uh, I think ultimately he did. He certainly saw it coming. Yeah, like you mentioned on the uh, podcast, Spitting Chicklets, which is available on Barstool Sports and iTunes. A uh, little plug there. Um, yeah, he was. He said he really wasn't surprised. I mean, I think you know everybody was initially surprised because the team was only one point out of first. They, they weren't playing their best, but they weren't playing bad considering how many injuries they've had. Um, so it was a surprise in that end, but because Ryan was in with the organization and you know his, before his NHL career finished up and he moved to Russia, he kind of held some good insight that he really wasn't surprised because the kind of imaginations already in place before this to you know kick Dale, T- Dale Talon upstairs when the new ownership came in and you know all these guys, hockey guys, they always want to bring their own guys in, they always want to bring you know their own personnel in, and and so Ryan was not surprised at all. Tom Rowe coached Ryan when he was on Florida's farm farm team in Saint San Antonio. I uh, said he's a good coach. He's a very good coach. He's you know he's, he's a not <laughs> probably a bit of a disciplinarian. I don't know if he's quite the players coach that Gerard Gallant was. Uh, he's a lot. Which you say players coach, and I heard Ryan say that as well. But he's he's an old school guy. That that yeah, surprised me a little. But bit. I think when they say players coach, I think that what they what that means is a guy who. I, who you can BS with, like some coach, like a ah, coach you can like you know call him by his nickname and you know BS with, but he's you still got respect for him. Like this, he's not overly chummy, but he's just that former player, so he's kind of he knows the player mentality. Whereas some coaches, I mean, it's old school now. He's still an old school coach, but he's friendly with the players. But uh, Tom Rowe may be a little bit more distant, maybe maybe have a little bit more discipline coming in. Um, and you know it might be it's better. a bold move though for a team that was kind of hanging around the playoff picture. It's not like they were in. Desperate straights. Not at not at all. I mean, I think right. I think since they they can them, I think they've gotten points and um, they beat Detroit in OT on Thursday. Right, and they got they got a point in via the yeah, shootout in lose Chicago. Point Chicago yeah. So you know, three point three out of four points so far. I know it's obviously very early, but you know, and also organizationally thinking, it's like okay, we already we have a I, I don't know if it was a rift, but it, there was certainly a disagreement as far as you know the analytics versus you know. You know, they said he wanted uh, Gallant wanted size. They they wanted this other guy who had better better metrics that day. Like so, it's this this thing we're always talking about. You know, analytics versus the eye test. Well, we'll pause here because the Bruins game's uh, winding down, and we'll want to jump on for full post game reaction. But I would just say, in summary, the Panthers making a coaching change, the Tampa Bay Lightning losing Steven Stamkos. You got two of your threats for for playoffs in the division for the Bruins. It's been a pretty good couple of weeks uh, as far as uh, bad things happening to other teams. In the division. Ken Laird, Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. Coming up, Bruins finale, last minute and some change. Boston has a 2 1 lead on the Sabres. Timeout has been called. We'll come back and uh, react to the final uh, couple of minutes here on WEEI Sports Radio. You are listening to Saturday Skate with Ryan Whitney, Rear Admiral, and Ken Laird on Sports Radio WEEI.
All right, here's your B's postgame Saturday Skate Edition. Ken Laird and Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports and Lyndon Byers joining us at the top of the hour from WAAF. It's a final at the Key Bank Center, about the fourth name for that building. Used to be the HSBC and a bunch of other things. I miss the odd. Oh, yeah, the odd. Well, that's a different building altogether. But the Bruins win it. They get it done 2-1. to one. Patrice Bergeron gets off the schneid a bit rear. With uh, He came in with just uh, going an assist in his last 13 games, but his tally that made it 2-0 in the second proves to be the game-winning goal. Just that kind of loose uh, puck rebound garbage goal, although if you uh, go back a bit before that sequence, Brad Marchand with a pretty nice job to uh, take it away at the blue line from Rasmus Ristolainen and uh, created the odd man chance, which led to what was he eventually held up as the game-winner. So a 2-1 to one final is a Bruins team that now in the last 11 games has only 21 goals. But, hey, say what you want. They're having a little puck luck here. Uh, without Zdeno Chara now for, this is, uh, what, seven games? Seven and a half, actually, when you think about it. They are 3-3-1. Uh, three, three they win another division game and two points in the standings as they maintain a playoff spot here as we uh, head into December. Yeah, it's, a, it's another big win. Um, these matinee day, matinee games aren't always the best friend of the Bruins for some reason. Whether they're at home or on the road, they're just sleepy a lot of times. I, I would venture to say that's not they're not the only team in the league. They, these guys are accustomed to a schedule, and matinees do kind of throw their schedule off a bit. But two points on the road. Tuca made, what, 35 saves, I believe? A season high 35 Season saves. high 35. Uh, he's been phenomenal once again. Um, they just picked up another two points. What do we got? 29 points now, third in the division, and they got Ottawa in the sights. I mean, they're, you're looking at the standings. They're, what, five points back on Montreal right now? I mean, you Yeah, know, the Canadians you know, have been scuffling a bit, too. They just went on a five-game road swing. So the top team, actually, in the NHL, uh, they lose a couple of – they lost a pair of two-to-one games in Anaheim and uh, against San Jose. So you knew they were going to cool off a bit. It's a real jumble, though. I mean, the Sabres are not a good team, quote-unquote, but – they were only four points back of the Bruins going into the game. So if you lost this, all of a sudden they're out of the cellar and two points back. So this was a big game today, and they lost Matt Bolesky yeah. in the first period. Well, first period, just just, just yeah, into the yeah, second. Yeah, well, no, I was it actually. You know what? I was kind of getting ready to come in here. I, I honestly, I I thought I know he got hit by the puck. I think it was the first that he that he had to go over the boards, but. Uh, Honestly, I, I'm not. No, it was, it was late in the first. Late in the first, okay. Yeah, and that and it's a good one too. Like you mentioned, Buffalo. I know you, we don't think of them as the, as a playoff contender, and they're not. But you know, they're still only five points out. That gives them more distance between them and, and Buffalo, which is certainly important. You know, we we tend to associate that with teams above them in the division. You want to get those points, but you know, two big points. One one point behind Ottawa for second. Uh, you know, only five behind the Canadians now, who, like you said, are scuffling a bit. You know, but conversely. You're only three points from the ninth seed, so you can't get cocky. You got to just kind of keep going with the flow. And um, another win, what's that? Two in a row in December. Now, now you got Florida in on a Monday night, which again, the Garden on a Monday is kind of quiet. Uh, Florida is not, even though they have so much talent there, they're not a team that you know people are really paying money to come see for some. Well, for, because they're still Florida, I guess, and they have that reputation. A uh, very dangerous team. You know, this is this is a very big game Monday night. Real big game Monday. I mean, and Chara should be back. You know, the news was good that he was he, he was legitimately day-to-day and would come back either for the Florida game Monday or in Washington on Wednesday at the, at the very latest. It sounded like it was the message. So That would be, uh, obviously, a huge addition. But, um, you know, it's this team is, you know, frustrating as they, they might get you. Well, like, t- you know, today, it's your first period. It's like you, know, you watch this game and then you think of, geez, this looks like nothing like half the teams you watch in the league. When you watch, you know, Pittsburgh and San Jose and all these other teams at, at, at night on – on NBC Sports Network or the NHL Network, and it's just then you like it looks nothing like what you've seen with the Bruins. But the bottom line is, 
The Bruins are winning more games than they're losing. Tuka Rask is keeping their season alive, and they're in the thick of it, man. Good week, great week. I mean, uh, the win Sunday against Tampa was one of their best wins of the year yeah. because it was coming off three straight losses. Uh, Chara missed again. Lyles got hurt in the game. He had four defensemen for a big chunk of it, and they managed to beat, you know, arguably the favorite in the in the division. Mm-hmm. Granted, without Stamkos, Jimmy Hayes scored a goal that game. Uh, that game it was a big one. Now you've won three of four, and you've taken in your last four games seven of a possible eight points. Tough to say that's not a great week, but then you look at the goal score, like you say, it is. It it doesn't quite have the feel of a dominant Bruins team. They're scoring two a night, and they're some, somehow finding a way to get it done with just two goals most nights. Yeah, it's it's not ideal, uh, but it's the way. If it's winning hockey, I, you know you can't complain too much. Obviously, I'd, you'd rather have they have a another top six guy in there. Um, but I think they're just going to kind of do what they need to do and just kind of plug guys in here and there. And, and again, as long as Rask is playing as good, and even Hadobin, who won that game for them, I thought, Thursday night. I mean, it was, talking about another boring game at the Garden for 58 minutes, and then all of a sudden they score, wake the place up, send it in overtime, end up winning in a shootout, and it was a complete 180 that, from what we saw all night. Uh, as long as they're winning, man, I, I guess you, you can't complain. But, yeah, obviously the scoring is a, is an issue. It's not. It, it's not. You want to win 2-1 games in the playoffs, not – here in December, but at the bottom line, seven out of eight points this week, it's a great week, you know? And your two big guns come through today. Krejci and Berger are on to the goal scorers. Yep. Krejci's line has come alive a little bit. Interesting that without uh, without Jimmy Hayes today, who was scratched, yep. they put in Anson Bleed, his first game in the NHL. When, when Bolesky went down, they were bumping him all over the place, giving him a chance up with uh, with Bacchus and uh, uh, with, uh, with Krejci on occasion today. So, you know, it's not like Claude has been afraid to jumble the lines a little bit in game. He hasn't done anything totally drastic, but he's trying to find right combinations and, and press the button that works. Yeah, he's gonna. I think he's gonna. You know, obviously keep Bacchus and Krejci together and kind of have a rotating left winger there. And but I, that's where it would be ideal to have a, a top six guy again. Those don't. They don't just fall off trees. I mean, top four defensemen and top six forwards. That's uh, every team in the league wants or, or could use one of those. So it, it's always like a perennial wish. But I, I think you know Claude. If, if you home, he's going to reward a guy like Shala, a Shala who's you know not the offen- most offensively gifted guy, but you know Claude's been rewarding him, getting you know re- taking him out of the top six, moving him up in the top two lines, giving him some power play time as well. Um, he's maybe not a guy who's the best position to get goals on that wing. I think you know Claude is you know, again rewarding him for his solid play, um, but they're chugging along, man. You know they're chugging along. It's I, I, you can complain about the, the lack of goal scoring, but everything else. I mean for losing. Zdeno Chara, you know, you had Krug play 28-plus minutes the other night in, in very very good minutes, too. You know, he played much bigger than his frame. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of you get mixed emotions with this team. You know, one minute you're down on them and they're not going to do nothing. And then, you know, they have a week like this and you well, say— Well, definitely after hmm. that loss in Ottawa and that Calgary game that you went to on the Friday night, yeah. it was—there were two low points of the season. That was one of them. It was last week when we were chatting here before the Tampa game. But they've—that's uh, to credit to Julian— that they've been able to steady the you know ship a little oh, bit. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, you know, Julian. I don't think he gets enough love in this town. Uh, I don't know if it's because he's low key or if his personality is you know not like a look at me type. But I mean, you know, he's what he's done here over the years. Is, it's been pretty remarkable. I they mean, very rarely tank. Now it's it's funny to say that because they've collapsed the last two years late in the year. But in the middle of a season when it looks like they're about to go south, they they find a way to just grind it out and and. And stay in the mix, right? They they have they have had. I, I mean, obviously, the last two years sucked the way they ended, but 
you know, this, this team sort of has had a trademark resiliency about it, I guess, you know, obviously going back to the cup, the cup run, which was the epitome of resiliency going, coming down, you know, down 0-2 in the down Stanley Cup final, yeah. come back to win that type of stuff. And obviously having personnel issues the last two years that Julian right. it, hasn't it, been used to. Exa- right, and exactly. Claude doesn't build the roster. I think right. that's worth mentioning, too. Uh, he he deals with what he has, and he tries to do the the, the best with it. And I think he's done a, a damn good job in the whole time he's been here. And I think sometimes he doesn't get the, the respect he should. All right, coming up, Lyndon Byers from WAAF will be our third man in. We'll bring him over the uh, the board, so to speak. We got a, a giveaway, some tickets uh, for you for the game Monday against Florida. Chance for you to win them. We'll uh, have that for you coming up at the top of the hour. Ken Laird and from Barstool Sports Rear Admiral, joined by Lyndon Byers. Bruins win it 2-1 to one over the Sabres, and we'll talk hockey for the next hour on Saturday Skate, brought to you by AT&T, mobilizing your world, and by Star Market. See what makes us shine.